Good morning. We read the scriptures today, and would you stand with me as I read them? This is 2 Peter chapter 1, and the first 11 uh, verses, though our focus this morning will be on verses 3 and 4. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord confirming your calling and election, is the title. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. Please be seated. We approach this uh, mighty passage of of Scripture uh, today. Uh, and it is in, in, indeed with the thought of the new year in mind that I come to it because it is a great reminder of how we live by promise. It's a good thing to remind ourselves of at the beginning of every year, the beginning of every week. So, happy new year. And I know that many of you have got your resolutions down, right? Um, you're going to lose a little weight. And um, you're going to get a little more exercise, get a little stronger. Uh, You're going to read your Bible a little more, pray uh, more faithfully than you you have. You're going to read more books uh, this year than you did last year. You have all those resolutions down. I'm uh, I'm pretty sure we've been at least thinking about what we can do, uh, what we can do better. and, and probably most of us are uh, using um, our phones, our uh, tablets, our computers to, to help us because apps are uh, everywhere and they cover uh, every possible subject you might uh, think. I was reviewing some articles in uh, some of the papers. New York Times, for instance, ran last week an article on all the things you could get, all the apps you could get to help you with the new year, including an app that followed the ball down at Times Square. Uh, 
and, and um, some of you might have used an app for the countdown of your own uh, uh, in the new year, apps for helping you uh, develop a new habit um, and then stick to it. Uh, they tend to motivate you and they prompt you with these nice reminders, these rings that come uh, onto your phone. And so you can have apps for exercising, apps for eating, apps for journaling, apps for relaxing, all the things that you would like to do. They even have apps that help you sleep at night. I haven't tried one of those, but um, we are pretty plugged in uh, and you, you get the idea. If you, if you have a problem, uh, if you have a challenge, if you have a need, if you have to get something done, you know there's an app out there to, uh, to help you with it. Well, we need that same uh, nerd-like focus uh, when it comes to the promises of God because for every challenge we face, every problem we have, everything we have to face in 2015, there, there is a promise related to it. We need to uh, uncover that promise claim it, use it, and uh, bask in it uh, as often as we, we can. It's a great thing to meet a strong Christian and to learn about her faith, to learn about his faith. And as you get to know that person and their faith, you find out, as I often have, that one of the elements of a strong Christian is that they focus on the promises of God. They, they know how to use these promises um, they find them, they claim them, they live by the great and precious promises as Peter describes them. And so when they are struggling to make, to make ends meet, they zero in on Philippians 4. And my God will provide for all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And when they have guilt because they have, uh, they have sinned and they want cleansing, they know how to go to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and he forgives our sins and he cleanses us from unrighteousness. And when they have a, a, a hard decision to make, they go to the book of James. If anyone asks, uh, lacks wisdom, he can ask of God who gives liberally. Uh, or when circumstances uh, get complicated and it looks bad and they're not quite sure where everything is leading uh, Romans 8.28 reminds these folks all things work together for good to those who love God and then we watch these Christians as they worry about things and we know that when they do they, they go to Matthew chapter 6 and they see verse 33 seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so, so these great promises are out there. So when they have temptations or doubts, weaknesses, uh, children going astray, relationships caving in, a fear of death, futility in prayer, a staleness in their faith, all of these stresses of life have promises to protect a soul from despairing. And they're great and precious promises, uh, according to our uh, text here. So I would like for us to look at this a little bit. I would like for us to see what these great and precious promises are. So let's come back to verses um, 3 and 4. And if you would look at them again with me, 
<coughs> your program has them here. His divine power, it says, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Before we talk about uh, the application of promises, let's just take a moment and uh, look at our text, just these uh, couple of verses, and see what the Word of God says about a promise. You know, promises are everywhere. We make promises all the time. Some of our greatest commitments come when we make a promise. At at a marriage ceremony, at a a baptism, uh, when we become a church uh, member. Uh, We make a lot of promises, actually, uh, without even calling them promises. They're just commitments. Nobody makes us stand and hold up our hand. But we make these promises and commitments to each other in relationships. So when you get in your car and drive today, uh, when you got your driver's license, you made a certain promise and commitment to drive on the right side of the road. Uh, to give somebody else the right of way. If you think about it, it's really quite amazing that there are more accidents uh, out there on the road. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, uh, you know, for the most part. And I remember driving down the road one time and I saw somebody driving straight at me on the wrong side of the road. And I thought, what is this idiot doing? And then I spent a little bit of time in in, uh, uh, the British Isles and ended up driving on the wrong side of the road. And I thought, that's why she was driving on the wrong side of the road. She was from a different country, and it just automatically, because she saw what she was doing, and, and you know, swerved, to the, uh, swerved to the other side. Uh, but we make commitments uh, every day for the general public as well as for ourselves and for uh, loved ones around us. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, let's take a look at what these... Uh, promises, what the Bible says about these promises. First of all, these verses tell us the origins of promises, where promises come from. And they come from the glory of God and the goodness of God. Uh, Take a look at that um, in the end of verse 3. They come from the glory of God and from the goodness of God. He's called us by his own glory and goodness. The word glory has the idea of majesty and splendor and brightness. Uh, And and so a glorious condition. Promises come from a glorious condition. Great light, great splendor. And also from goodness. The word goodness here means virtue, moral goodness, excellency, and praises. Um, so the glory and goodness of God, this is where the promises come from. And that makes sense if we think about it this way. <coughs> At the center of every promise is the gospel. At the center of every promise is the truth that God has atoned for our sins in Jesus Christ. At the center of the covenant of grace 
where God promises to be a God to us and to provide a Savior for us and to take us to heaven in eternity and to give us a glorious assurance, the glory and the goodness of God is found in all of his promises because they center on the gospel. And that's the great news of every promise that we have, no matter what that promise might be. It's focused on Jesus Christ and his saving work to redeem us from our sins. We'll be talking about that more specifically and showing it at the Lord's Supper at the end of the service today. But the origins of the promises of God come from the glory and the goodness of God in eternity and centered upon centered upon the, the great redeeming promise of Jesus, our Savior. The second thing we can say about the uh, promises of God from this passage, <coughs> I'm starting the year with a little tickle in my throat, so I'm going to cough a little bit here and there. Is there water somewhere? magic cup appears down below. Okay. Cheers. Uh, that'll come in handy today. The second thing, the quality of these promises. Just think about the quality of the promises of God, will you? Here they are called very great and precious. Let's take a look at this. <clears throat> the very great promises of God. Now, this is a word that is only used here in the, uh, in the New Testament. It's the only place that it comes. It's what uh, we call a superlative. It means the very, very great and exceeding promises of God. So they're, they're very great. They're not just great. They're very great. And if we do a, a word study of the idea of greatness and follow it through the scriptures, we, we find that it, 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 it is attached to several different things. First of all, it is, t- is attached to creation. Creation is a great thing. Jeremiah 27, verse 5, says that the creation is a great creation. That God has done a great thing in creation. We also see it uh, in, in terms of, um, uh, of uh, not only creation, but also providence and the way God leads his people. So as he led Israel, Exodus chapter 32, verse 11, we see that there was a great exodus, a great leading out of the people of God, the providential care of God. (coughs) Various kinds of uh, deliverances are called great deliverances by God. And of course, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of his great works and so it is of course attached uh, to that as well in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 it speaks of the resurrection and the great power of God uh, that was uh, put out by that and so the greatness of God is also applied by the way in in Titus chapter 2 to Jesus himself our great God and King Jesus Christ and so It's a word that has a special meaning in the scripture. And here, it is applied to promises. When you think of the promises that God brings to you, you you have to recognize them as great things, great promises that God has for you. So that's, that's the first quality. 
It is the quality of greatness, hugeness, and exceeding greatness. The second quality is they are precious. Now, this is not precious in the cute sense of something that is, uh, you know, oh so precious. You saw something on the shelf that, and you said, oh, that's precious. It, it, it's not that. It's the technical sense of preciousness here. And, and the technical sense of preciousness is when you ask a jeweler to appraise your um, stone or your ring, and he or she makes the decision as to how precious that stone is. And here the meaning <clears throat> has to do with the esteem of the stone, the dignity of it, the uniqueness of it. And so here this preciousness has to do with the high esteem <coughs> that is given to something. Now, in the Septuagint, when the uh, Old Testament was translated into the Greek language, it's normally in Hebrew, or the original language is Hebrew, but it was put into the Greek language. This word precious showed up at a couple of spots that are kind of interesting. In the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20 <coughs> and uh, verse 12, it says, honor your parents. Children, honor your parents, it says. And it uses this word precious. Highly esteem them. Appraise them of great value, of unique value. And so that gives us an idea of what this word is. And so the promises of God are not only great, but they're also precious. They're valuable. They are to be highly esteemed. We are to look carefully at them. They are unique. These are the great and precious promises. So the origin of the promise, the quality of the promises. But uh, we also see here in our text the result of those promises. The results of those promises are found simply, these, in our character. Once we grasp those promises, the scripture says, we share in the divine nature. That's how we overcome our sin. That's how we overcome our obstacles. We claim the promises of God and share in his divine nature. So it affects our character. And secondly, it affects our holiness of life. We are freed from the world's corruption. That's what verse 4 tells us, those two things. Our character, we share in the divine nature. Our holiness of life, we're freed from the world's corruptions. So there's the origin, the quality, the result. Now, how do we use these promises? How do they come in to play for, for us? Well, a couple things I, I just like to say. <coughs> the promises of God are, are not just for a few people. They're, they're for everyone. And all the promises of God are for all of you. And it almost goes without saying, but we need to remind ourselves of them. They're not promises that are only made to an elite group of Christians. God has presented them uh, to us and would have us grow holy and grow in our faith by claiming them. 
I like the story of the lady who <clears throat> used to use one of these promise boxes. Have you ever heard of these things? These little boxes, and they have little slips of paper in them, and you take out one, and it has a little promise on it. And then you put it at the back, and so you can have a promise a day. Now, I don't have a promise box at home, but I do have an app called uh, A Promise a Day. And so in my uh, Twitter account, it kind of comes in, you know, once a day there's a little promise uh, for me. So, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to you just immerse yourself on a regular basis in those promises and remind yourself that you need them. This woman was a bit distraught this day, and so she went to her promise box. She was excited to get there because she felt like she really needed some help. So she picked up her promise box, and as she was tearing out the first promise, she stumbled, and the promise box fell, tipped over, and spread all the promises out in front of her. And she stood and looked at them, at first thinking, oh no, what have I done? But then thinking, Oh, this is from the Lord. All of these promises are for me. We need to have this reality that all of these promises are for me. The, the word of God is filled with promises from the opening chapters of Genesis all the way through Revelation. And probably a good way for you to read your Bible, try it this week, is to say, okay, where are the promises? Lord, show me the promises that I'm finding in the scripture uh, in, in my Bible reading. And uh, you will see that the Lord brings those great and precious promises right to your, uh, right to your mind. It's not an easy thing to do because if we are going to live by promise, we have to live by sheer grace. <clears throat> And that is not an easy thing to do. Martin Luther, in the 1500s, the great reformer, was troubled over this in his spiritual life. He knew how easy it was to live by his own works, to trust in his mind to solve problems and not rely on sheer grace and not to rely on the promises of God. He said this, he said, I just cannot get it into my head that I should surrender myself completely to sheer grace. Yet I know that this is what I must do. Wow, what a confession uh, to make. And it's a good confession uh, to make. It is what we should be making and understanding. It's, it's a hard thing to do, but we can do it. And what are some of these promises then, and how can I apply them? I, I'd just like to quickly review with you a handful of them, sort of the center of the promises of God that make you into a child of God and a growing child of God. Let me just mention them. First of all, here's some basic assurances from God's promises. First of all, I need to be able to say, as I approach each of my days, I have eternal life in Christ. I belong to him. 1 John 5:11 and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. You know, if you don't have this promise 
fulfilled in you. You haven't got any of them. And so it's, it's the beginning of it all. It's understanding that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world as redeemer. And he has died on the cross. And in that death, he has offered himself up as an atoning sacrifice. And when he shed his blood, he shed his blood not for his own sins, but for our sins. And in that death, there was a transaction made between God the Father and God the Son. And God the Son said, I will give you my life, my pure life, if you will give to me a redeemed people. And I will die for their sins. I will pay the penalty. And God says, I will do that. I will accept your sacrifice. So that all who believe in Jesus Christ have the forgiveness of sins. And so here's the first and basic assurance of God's promise that that I live with. I have eternal life in Christ. And that's promised me in the scriptures. A second basic assurance from God's promises are that my sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful, <coughs> He's just, He forgives our sins. And then he purifies us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What what a great promise. And in this Christian walk of mine and of yours, we sin. We make mistakes. We disappoint. But there is forgiveness in the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And so I need to be able to say that every day and claim God's promise for that. My sins are forgiven. A third um, basic assurance from God's promises that I need to have is God hears and answers my prayers. He hears and he answers my prayers. Luke 11, verse 9, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. God hears and answers my prayer. A fourth, basic assurance from God's promises. I have victory over sin. There is no sin that needs to snare me and trap me. I can have victory. God promises it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. I have victory over sin. And a fifth one, basic assurance of God's promises. God guides me every day. He guides me every day. He guides my life. He guides my steps. He guides me into holiness of life, into good works, and he guides the path that I should be walking. God guides me every day. These are all based on great and precious promises. I have eternal life in Christ. My sins are forgiven. God hears and answers my prayers. I have victory over sin and God guides me every single day. Great and precious promises. 
As we consider the great and precious promises of God, I think of the Puritan preacher Thomas Watson in his book, Body of Divinity, and he describes the Christian life with these words. It's a good description. He says, the Christian life is like a ship under full sail. All right? Like a ship under full sail. The rigging is secure. The structure of the ship is sound. (coughs) The sails are good, and they're full of wind. God has built this ship. That's a great description of the Christian life. A ship sailing under a full sail. But, says Watson, the anchor is dragging behind. Scraping the bottom of the ocean, disabling the vessel from really opening up and cutting loose. It keeps the ship from its destination (coughs) and from free sailing. And Watson explains, he says, this is what sin does in this world and in the Christian life, what that anchor does. The effects of sin are all around us, and they drag like an anchor to keep us from the joy of the full sail. Ultimately, the anchor will not be cut loose, he says, until heaven. We've always got this anchor. And in the meanwhile, we groan under the drag. What keeps us going? What gives us hope? What enables us, despite the dragging of this anchor behind us? It's the great and the precious promises of God. Do you feel the drag of sin today in your life? The sails are up, full of wind, you say, but something is wrong. I have temptations. I'm worried. I have guilt. I'm afraid. My faith flounders. My prayers are dry and lifeless. I doubt my salvation. I think God has deserted me. But I say to you in the name of God Almighty that there is a great and precious promise for you today. Get it. This is not a gimmick. This is how the Christian life is to be lived. Get that promise. Love God, submit to Christ, and trust His promise. The great and precious promises of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, for the gospel, for His shed blood, and the promise that comes for all who would trust in Him. We thank you today, Lord, for the many great and precious promises that flow from the cross and that enable us to live this week and this year despite the obstacles we face. We live unto you, Lord, because of the great, precious promises you've given to us. Help us to find them, to live by them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.